Welcome to Interviews with Entrepreneurs Show, where we interview entrepreneurs who are super awesome in their niches. And guys, like, have you uh, ever thought about when you're running a business, uh, something that is kind of like a blessing and a curse is like running operations of the company? <laughs> because when you're running operations, there are so many different factors, so many different variables to it. And sometimes you just feel burnt out and uh, you feel like everything is not going according to your way how you wanted it. That's the exact same thing we're going to talk about. And today's guest is Jana Lee. Jana first stumbled into operations five years ago while traveling full-time in a converted van through North and South America. Since then, she's been a CEO uh, in uh, two successful startups and consulted over 37 and 8 uh, businesses as well and coached hundreds of people out there on this exact same topic. She helped other founders, businesses, and uh, uh, owners help these uh, fundamentals of operations of how to running a business successfully and not working in the business and like you're not doing everything by yourself but having somebody on your side who can like be your second in command operator and get everything done these are the things we're going to talk about so so the big question is this how these entrepreneurs who started from scratch and had no idea how to sell or market their products or services online and then later on made over six figures, seven figures, eight figures, or even nine figures, became best in their niches and found their dream customers to sell. My name is RJ Ahmed and find this all out on our interviews with entrepreneurs show where I interview all these entrepreneurs and try to pick their brain on how they actually did all of that and how they took their business as well as their life to the next level. This podcast is all about the entrepreneurs who strive so hard to become super awesome in their niches Welcome to Interviews with Entrepreneurs. Please welcome on our show, Jana Lee. Hey, Jana. Hey, RJ. Happy to be here. Yeah. First of all, thank you so much. How are you doing? Absolutely. I'm so stoked on this. I am doing really well this morning. Awesome. Awesome. So like, walk us through a little bit of your backstory out there. Like how... How was it like for you uh, five years ago when you were traveling full time, stuff like that, and how you stumbled upon operation side and how you started to, you know, getting in love with this operational process and starting to teach other people? Yeah, totally. So uh, as you talked about, I was living in that converted van. We were traveling around and the, my boyfriend at the time who I was traveling with was actually starting a digital marketing agency. So mm -hmm. I was watching him kind of grow this thing and scale this thing just across the table every single day. I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know what he was doing, but I was just learning by, you know, watching him go through it. Um, yeah. And as you do, you know, you weigh in and you wrestle with challenges together. You talk through challenges together. And over time, it became clear that like the things that were just like intuitively very clear to me about his business, he was not seeing at all. Like the gaps, the, the holes, the inefficiencies, he was, they were not on his radar. Um, and through a series of odd events, I actually ended up joining his company for what was supposed to be like 30 days, just filling in for someone. And I ended up becoming that company COO because when oh, I wow. got inside, it, like to me, it's like, it's like neon lights everywhere of like, things could be better here. And here's how these things are breaking down. And here's why that person left. And here's why these things are happening. And the gaps and the inefficiencies were just so clear. But again, he wasn't seeing it. And so I eventually learned that there's a word for that. And that word is operations, right? Operations is not just a set of skills. It's not just a set of knowledge. It's a fundamentally different lens and different yeah. way of looking at the business. And so through a series of mentors that I was very lucky to have through like rigorous self-education and then finally having the opportunity to coach in a coaching program that had hundreds of businesses in it, 
I was able to gather a ton of data really, really quickly about what are the common pitfalls that business businesses fall into on the road to seven figures, on the road to eight figures. And I pulled enough data to eventually learn like how to circumnavigate those pitfalls, what operational success looks like. And that is now what I coach and train other businesses on. Oh, wow. That's, that's really amazing of how you actually just came in by chance and like that actually became like everything for you. I know. It's wild. It's Life is funny that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So like since you've helped out a lot of people out there running operations, and I believe if you even if you have like, you know, great team, but if you don't know how to operate them, it's just like you have better tools, but you just don't know how to use it. Okay. So uh, what's the what's the common uh challenges you see a lot of uh, successful businesses face while handling these operations between their teams who might have like better uh, you know players but they just don't know how to operate them yeah that's such a great question i think there's a couple of, of key and common challenges that i see business owners run into the mm-hmm. first one is learning to truly delegate and empower your team and i'll put yeah. it this way like when you are a small solo entrepreneur when it's just you your success comes down to you, right? How hard can you work and how fast can you learn and how innovative can you be and how many things can you try? As you start to scale a team, it's really hard to break out of that mindset. And so it keeps coming back to just you. And so I see a lot of entrepreneurs get really stuck and really frustrated. And they'll come to me and say things like, you know, my team is coming to me for everything. My team is coming to me and asking me the same questions over and over and over again. My team can't think for themselves. My team can't solve their own problems. What's happening? And the reality is, is like, if it's an issue with one person, it's probably an issue with that one person. But if it's an issue that you're seeing across the team, there's only one common denominator and that's you, right? Your Mm -hmm. leadership. And so a lot of business owners you know, they, they will work hard to master sales. They will work hard to master marketing. They will not work hard to master leadership. I think many people think that leadership is either something that you, you are born with or you don't have at all, but it's not. Leadership is a learned skill, just like any other skill that you learned to grow your business. And so I think the entrepreneurs that recognize, hey, at this point, success is no longer just about me. Success is about what I can inspire my team to do, how hard my team can work, what ideas they can come up with. Those are the leaders that invest the time and energy to learn how to become better leaders and how to maximize the output of their team. Many entrepreneurs never, never make that jump. And they, they yeah. essentially stick themselves into the day-to-day and have no way of getting out of it because their team has learned to become fully dependent on them. Yeah, well, that's true. so true. And I remember, like, you know, I think Russell Brunson, like, said it once. It's just, like, sometimes you have to let your team get, you know, 75 to 80% the job done so that at least you can get back to 20% instead of you be there right. instructing them for everything. And then just be there and feel like, hey, you know, they're not getting the job done. Uh, and, uh, you know, just as you mentioned, that leadership is something that's not, uh, you know, something somebody, like, born with or, like, have mm-hmm. naturally. In, what are the traits of, you know, being a good leader like how you actually mm. define a good traits of a leader oh that's a wonderful question let me think about that um i will first off let me define what i mean by good leader right because at the okay. end of the day operations is all about efficiency so why do yeah. i categorize leadership as operations it's because good leadership maximizes the efficiency of your team right same group of people same hours in the day how do you maximize the output and the productivity that you get back that's operations that's leadership so A good leader is somebody who maximizes the output, right? Maximizes productivity, innovation, creativity, critical thinking, these sorts of things. 
Um, an amazing leader has a couple of key traits. Number one, they fundamentally trust their team. Like yeah. at the end, of, at the end of the day, it is that hard and also that simple. Which is, do you trust your team, and have you put the right systems in place so that you can trust your team? Right? Trust but verify. I think is a very fair saying. There should be visibility. There should be accountability, right? These systems operationally need to be in place, but at a fundamental level. I've seen people with the best HR systems in the world who just don't trust their team. They don't trust yeah. their team and they don't believe in their team. Like I had an entrepreneur I will never forget who came into a con consulting call and he was so frustrated. He was like, I feel like it is like running a group of kindergartners. Like I feel like my team are five-year-olds. Oh, wow. And I was like, dude, let me just reflect back to you for a moment that if you're treating your team like five-year-olds, they're going to show up like five-year-olds, right? Absolutely. Like it's not just trust, but it's also like the underlying mindset that's like, is my team capable? Is my team able to do the jobs that I put them in? Do I believe them to be intelligent? Do I believe them to be competent? If you're walking in from the assumption that your team is dumb, less incompetent, needs to be micromanaged, needs to have everything laid out for them, why would your team think critically in that environment? Why would your team surprise you, right? You're going to see what you want to see. And so the traits of leadership, yes, there's skills and there's tactics and tools and all of that. But at the fundamental level, it's like, do you trust your team? And do you believe your team to be competent, full-bodied human beings in the way that you are as well, right? Yeah. I mean, like the takeaway for me is, is in whatever the box you are confining them to, they're going to be like those uh, those things, you know, if it's Absolutely. like a kindergarten box, they're going to be like those kindergarten kids. And, you know, yeah. it, it goes similar to that. Yeah, yeah. that's, that's what's really cool there, RJ, actually, one more note on that is that the opposite is also true, right? Yeah. If you believe them to be all-star A players, you would be shocked by how quickly people start to level up. When you put a performance gap in front of a growth-oriented person, they will sprint forward to fill that gap. And so the best leaders actually overbelieve in their team and then set that in front of their team as a challenge for their team to level up and grow into. And that's how you yeah. get maximum output. Yeah, love it, love it. Well, since you've uh, helped out, you know, on, on a different scale, a lot of different entrepreneurs, uh, on a bird's eye view, like what are the operational uh, differences have with somebody who might be on um, six or multiple six figures to seven mm. figures to eight figures? Like what are the mm. uh, operational structure look like on a basic level or like stuff like that on, on these like three levels. I'm curious. RJ, you ask great questions. I love this. Um, okay. So six figure entrepreneurs on the way to seven, their operations is going to be mostly around just like organizing information. So yeah. when you're very, very small, you don't have any operations at all and you don't need any, as you start to acquire enough clients that things just get messy and they get complicated and there's a lot of information, the first systems that come into place are things like project management systems, Slack, like communication management, um, and CRM, sales management, right? So yeah. just like baseline systems to organize all of the information that's now in the business. Seven-figure entrepreneurs, I'll say early seven-figure entrepreneurs, that's where you need to start incorporating HR systems because you're doing a lot of team building. And the make or break at that stage of growth is can you attract and retain and manage talent? And so the systems that need to then be put in place are like high performance management systems. And I'm not talking SOPs here, right? I'm talking about systems to hire, train, onboard, manage, and then offboard if underperformance crops up across the team. Those are like seven figure systems. And then as you're on your way towards eight figure systems, 
eight-figure systems look like strategic alignment. At eight figures, you have a leadership team. The leadership team is making decisions and the challenge becomes, how do we convert those decisions and trickle them all the way down to aligned action on the front line? And so there's a whole set of systems and tools that an operator needs to know how to put in place to essentially align action across a team because the team is now too big for one person to micromanage. Yeah, wow, that, that's, so, uh, that's so amazing. Also the follow-up question uh, you know, came to my mind according to this, as you ex- explained it like so elegantly. Uh, you know, whenever, like, so we had some amazing, obviously a previous guest like you, like we got Russell Burns on our, on our show and then CEO of Flippa yeah. and like some other people out there. The common question that I usually have in my mind and I ask them is how to have the uh, mental bandwidth in order to mm. make sure that you, you are in your senses or sanity, I would say, just to be who you are while you're operating these companies or like have these people, even though you have like so many different level operations. So Ooh. like, I, I would love to ask you that question, like how, how, a peop- how a person or an operator or a CEO should have that mental sanity and, and that bandwidth to be who he is yeah. and not get yeah. lost within the whole company or the business. Ooh, that is such a good question. Um, I think it comes down to you as the CEO and founder asking yourself consistently, what does the company need from me? And what does the company no longer need from me? Meaning yeah. when you're starting out, what the company needs from you is freaking everything because you don't have a team and everything comes back to you and you don't have a choice, but you also have like two clients so you can keep track of everything. Yeah. Again, the, the CEOs that are unable to scale out of that mindset where it keeps coming back to me and everything's dependent on me and I have to make every decision. I don't trust my team to make decisions. I haven't trained them to make decisions, right? I have to keep an eye on everything. Those leaders cap out because they only have so much time and energy in the day. All of us, we only have so much time and energy. And so if you have to do everything, if you have to make every decision, if you have to be hands-on in every piece of the business, I've, it depends on essentially the willpower of the entrepreneur. Yep. I have seen entrepreneurs flatline at this point at 80K per month. I've seen them flatline at 250K a month. I saw one dude flatline at 800K per month. Like he, he just muscled his way through to 800K per month but he still capped out because it came down to him. And so to retain bandwidth, to scale a business or like do what I do, which is like, I don't have an 800K per month business, but I'm able to consistently take time away from my business and trust that things are going just fine. I take weeks at a time to go on backpacking trips and rafting trips and all kinds of stuff. It is to know what your business now needs from you. When I hired my head of operations, I recognize that my business no longer needs me to be exceptional at operations, which is so interesting because that's my skill set, right? But what my business now needs from me is to learn how to be a visionary, learn how to create content, learn how to attract qualified leads, right? It needed a whole new set of skills for me because I had delegated operations. It no longer needed that from me. And so the only way to maintain your bandwidth, if you really want to scale, is that you have to be able to hand things off. You have to, again, have the trust but verify systems in place that allow you to say, hey, now that I've brought this person in, I will truly and fully transfer ownership of this part of the business. This is now off my plate. If they need something from me, they can come to me and ask me for what they need. Like my team just delegates to me all day. I don't really delegate to them, right? They tell me what they need and I'll get that done for them. But by and large, my team is handling their own pieces of the business 100%, which allows me to like, preserve my finite resources, my finite time and energy and redirect it towards what the business needs for me now. But that is a dynamic 
question, right? What the business needs from you today is going to be different than what the business needs from you six months from now, 12 months from now, three years from now. So you have to always be asking yourself that question and be willing to evolve with it. Yeah. I mean, like stuff like that is kind of like a, it's kind of like a dream goal inside of a business where everything is running, you know, on its own pace. Yeah, every, every becomes, everyone becomes like smart enough in order to like get that team running and you have your own yeah. schedule, stuff like that. But yeah. for some people, they're, they're definitely able to achieve that side of this part. Uh, on the other mm-hmm. side, when some people are actually burnt out. Yeah. And let me, let me speak to the difference there because I think the most important thing that I communicate to visionaries is that it is actually not their job to fix the operational inefficiencies in their business. It's not their job because it's not their skill set. It's not their yeah. lens, right? Going back to the very beginning of this episode, I shared with you guys that like my boyfriend was looking at the company. He was classic visionary. All he was saying is like, oh, new offer, new guarantee, new way of driving revenue. We could grow this way. Here's an unseen opportunity. That's an amazing lens. That's incredible. But what he wasn't saying is like our merchant processor is broken and 25% of our leads are leaking out of our pipeline, right? Like that's not what he was saying. And so as a visionary, keep the visionary lens that is necessary to grow your company. But what your business also needs is the operator lens coming in, cleaning up the mess, tightening the holes and making sure that the ship can continue to run efficiently. And so the difference between these two entrepreneurs, right, the entrepreneur that is stuck in the weeds and burnt out and trying to do everything and the operator and the entrepreneur that's like taking weeks of vacation off and everything's running fine is that this entrepreneur has realized it is not my skill set and it is not my job to figure out how to make my company run efficiently. And they have brought in an operator and they have empowered that person to live in their zone of genius and bring their lens to the table. And they trust that person. Like I have a client that I interviewed just a month ago because we wrapped up her operator just finished my coaching program. And she was like, Donna, I like my org chart looks like me, my operator, and then everyone else, right? My operator runs everything. She handles everything. And I was like, tell me about what made you successful. How did you manage to do that? Not everybody does that. And she's like, I just trusted her. I kept out of it. I learned to stop meddling. I learned to trust her. I learned exactly. to verify, but allow her to live in her zone of genius. And now I have so much free time on my hands that I'm starting my second venture because this company that used to trap me in the weeds and keep me totally stuck in the day to day now runs itself and I can go start my next thing. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Especially like, I really like how, like how you're in, in, in your intro, uh, you mentioned the operators are somebody who is like second in line command. Which, yeah. is, which is awesome. So uh, my question to you is for those people who are in, because I feel like on every level, operator is required on every level. Like if somebody see like even somebody accepted or neglected or uh, whatever the case. Uh, so how to find a good operator, mm-hmm. even if somebody is, let's say on a six figure range, because that's when the point is starting out for getting more, some people into the team, into the system and then be more, yeah more being in the sanity and then you know start to scale on some stuff so like how to find a good operator what do you think about it yeah it's a great question um first things first is number one know what level of operator you need and know what this person will be doing in your business right like the hardest thing that people do is they go out and they try and find an operator and they have no idea what they're looking for yeah. And so they go out and they like grab a person off the street and it's like, you have experience. And then they have no idea how to train or onboard or manage that person because they don't actually know what that person is there to do in their company. Right. Hmm. And so first things first is what level of operator do you need? Do you need an ops manager? Do you need a head of operations, director of operations, or do you need a COO? 
if you are a six-figure business, you do not need a COO. I'm going to just tell you that right now. You don't need a COO. You don't need that high-level strategic operational thinker. There's just not that much going on in your business yet, right? You need an ops manager. So ops managers are generally the level of operator that can see a company through to the seven-figure run rate. Anywhere between like that 80K per month up to about 150, 200K per month, that's where you start to see businesses transfer from ops manager into head of operations. The difference here being the head of ops knows how to build those HR systems, how to be a high performance leader, how to maximize output from a team. And then once you are in between that like multi seven figure to eight figure range, then we can start talking about a COO. But up until that moment, you don't need to like bend over backwards to create a six figure salary for a level of operator that your business doesn't actually need you to hire. So the first thing is like, know where you actually need, like what operational talent you need, know how much yeah. to pay that person. I have a free masterclass on this on my Facebook page, go check it out. Like, like know what you're getting into before you even start and then know what the desired outcome of bringing that person into your company actually is. Yeah, wow, that, that's definitely uh, amazing. Uh, speaking of it, have you saw like, I'm, I'm curious to ask about that. Like, you know, a lot of people out there would love to, uh, you know, would love to have in-person teams or in-house teams, mm. how they say versus mm. remote teams. I mean, like if somebody can pull anyone off, like, well, that's really good for them. Like however their priorities are, but uh, how do you see the difference between like operating and, uh, you know, in-house team versus a remote team? Yeah, great question. Both work, right? I yeah. think COVID has proven that both can work. Yes. So the first thing I'll say is that there's not a right answer. And if a founder is wondering, like, should I bring somebody in-house and build an in-house team? Or should I build a remote team? The answer is, which one do you want? Like, that's really the answer. Do you enjoy and thrive in an environment where you're surrounded by your people and you're managing your people and you're in it with them physically every single day? Or do you prefer total freedom, flexibility, work from wherever, and you want to bring that to your team, right? Like I will never bring my team in-house because I like to travel too much. And it literally doesn't have to be any more complicated than that, right? Because both can yeah. work. So making that decision independent of like which one's better, right? I think what is better is the team that's going to light you up and the team that you're excited to show up and lead and manage every single day. That's the better team. In terms of operating differently, Obviously, there are like different tools required for in-person versus remote. But the biggest difference, honestly, RJ, is that with in-person environments, you can be lazier as an operator because there's so many things that just happen organically when you put people in a room together. People will naturally go grab lunch together and have an amazing idea over lunch. People will naturally like walk down the hall together after a meeting and recap the meeting and come up with a new takeaway. Those yeah. are the things that don't happen organically in a remote environment. And so as a remote uh, operator, you have to know how to build time in and build space in for these organic things to happen. And they still feel organic for your team. But in fact, they are like very intentionally manufactured because you can't rely on these things happening organically without you putting any input, input in. Like you have to very intentionally design team culture, team bonding, team identity, team collaboration and creativity, right? Like these are things that have to, to be created instead of just relied upon. Yeah. So I mean, it's like uh, presence like plays a, a huge role, especially when doing an in-house one. 
I remember like, uh, I, I don't know like where I saw that, but somebody posted the video and they were talking about for something like that in a remote meeting, what they were doing is like, you know, 15 minute or 30 minute lunch break, but they were on the same Zoom uh, or like breakout rooms, stuff like that. Right. And they were having yeah. these sort of like conversation. I was like, that's interesting. Yeah, totally. And it's also about knowing when to bring your team together in person, right? Like the data shows yeah. that in-person productivity isn't actually measurably better. In fact, it's often worse than remote productivity. When it just comes to like doing day-to-day -day tasks, people are totally focused and productive at their home. But when it comes yeah. to like deep creativity, collaborative creativity, so think like product design or deep brainstorming sessions or something like this, deep strategic sessions, those are better in person. So as a remote environment, can you set aside money because you're not paying for an office and then reallocate that money towards bringing people together strategically, again, systematically, when it really matters to get the in-person magic that needs to happen and then allow people to go their separate ways again because day to day, it won't actually make a difference in your business. Yeah, yeah, love it, love it. Well, I'm, I'm curious to ask uh, is according to your lens, uh, who is the, like, out of, like, all of the, I'm not, like, you know, restricting on any, like, choice or so, stuff like that, but who is the best operator you saw so far in all of these companies that, you know, we saw, we love, and all of those things out there? If you notice any operator, like, who is the operator you like, this is amazing. Next level. Hmm. Uh, I imagine it will not be a surprise to anybody, but Layla Hermosi is, yeah. and I might be biased because she was also my first operational mentor. Like, she taught me so much about operations. And so like when it comes to the gold standard for a, you know, she calls herself CEO, but the functional role she plays in that business is operations. Yeah, like absolute gold standard when it comes to how to get, what, what Layla really taught me, I remember she was, she was telling me how when she rolls something out in her team, it just happens. What she taught me is speed. What she taught me is performance. And I didn't know how to do it. Like my team, when I tried to roll something out, I would get so much pushback. They were so slow. It was like dragging a ball and chain. Like I didn't get it. And what I think Layla has taught me and does better than anybody that I've, I've ever seen is create exceptionally fast moving, high performance environments systematically. And she's really yeah. cracked the code on that. Wow, that's that's awesome. You also spoke about uh, that you have a free masterclass. Like, tell us more about like for the people who who are either starting out, who want to learn more about operation, who are on you know let's say six or seven figure level. Like, how you uh, how they, you can help them out or where they can go and sign up for something out there. Can you please like let us know more about that? Yeah, absolutely. So, guys, two things for you. Number one, always, always follow me on Facebook, and I go in there every single week and I drop live free masterclasses. So, if operations is a totally foreign concept to you. If you just, if leadership is a foreign concept to you, if scaling your business is a foreign, like you just haven't done it yet, then that is going to be the best, highest value, most free information that I'm able to give you. And I go in there every single week and do that. Um, the other thing that I would love to give to your audience, RJ, is that we actually just created a diagnostic survey. It's a bottleneck detector. So you fill out a few questions about your business. It takes like five minutes. And the survey will tell you where the number one biggest operational bottleneck in your business currently is. And so that wow. at least gives you a starting point that says, okay, if you are feeling like you're drowning, if you feel stuck in the weeds, what is one thing that if you were to put some time or energy towards it, or even better, your operator's time and energy towards it, you will immediately unlock scalable growth. 
Awesome. Awesome. That's, that's amazing. So I will first of all, like post up the links of your social media profile in the comment section yeah. down below so that if somebody who want to follow Jana and want to learn things out there that they actually desire for, like either adding the operator or understanding like how operations actually works. So I will yep. post up all of the links in the description and in the show notes down below. Well, Jana, thank okay. you so much for being on the show today out there. Any last thing you want to say before we round the show up? I would again, just like leave your audience with the, with the permission slip that guys, if you feel like you're drowning in the day-to-day of your business, if you feel stuck in the weeds, if you feel like lack of clarity around how to get out of that or how to get your business to the next level, my permission slip is that you don't have to figure that out. All you have to identify is, do I have an operator on my team? If yes, how can I up-level them and empower them to do their best work? If no, how can I find that person and who am I looking for? And let that person step in, fill their zone of genius, take these things, genuinely take them off your plate and allow you to step back into what your company really needs from you, which is for you to be its CEO visionary that is charging forward and generating ideas and growing through the next stage of growth. Like you do not have to be everything for your business. You just have to identify who is the missing link that will allow you to unlock your own superpower. Oh, wow. That's, that's amazing. Well, thank you so much again uh, to be on the show. Yeah. And yeah, guys, thank you so much for watching. We're definitely going to see you guys on the next episode. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Now, if you're someone who wants to interview these super successful entrepreneurs so that you can build multi-million dollar network alongside leveraging their audience as well, I've created a script that allowed me to book over $1 billion plus worth of entrepreneurs on my show and you can get it free for now. So just go to billiondollarscript.com and it's billiondollarscript.com and don't forget to leave a 5-star review and I will see you guys in the next one.